There are some <clears throat> words, phrases, there are some thoughts that we, that, that we should not only not think, but, but should not come out of uh, our lips. Words like, that's impossible. Uh, it'll never happen. I can't. Uh, she won't. He won't. It'll never happen. You know? Uh, thoughts like that uh, do not uh, glorify uh, the relationship that we have with God. I want to talk to you this morning about believing God, the God of the impossible, and believing God for the impossible in impossible situations. Many of the things that, <clears throat> that have been believed before in the past as being impossible uh, have, have come to pass. And, and, and if that's true in the natural realm, that's even more so in the realm of the spirit. Let, let, me, let me give you an example for years, I mean, centuries and centuries, you know, it may have been the dreams of people to be able to one day fly, but, but, no, one, but no one ever, you know, uh, reached that achievement until one day in December 1903, just a little more than 100 years ago, uh, the Wright brothers, you know the story, right? They, they, they broke, listen, they didn't break the sound barrier, Right? But they broke something more important than the sound barrier. They broke the impossible barrier. They thought outside the box, and they acted outside the box. And in that response, you know, look at, look at where we've come in the last 100-plus years in terms of flight. I mean, who would have ever thunk it, right, that men would be walking on the moon? But, you know, that, that became so old hat that really back in the 1960s, 1969, it became boring to watch people on the moon. Did you know that? I mean, really, because it became normal. I mean, that which was impossible. There were so many things in our life that we kind of take for granted that was at one time impossible. Just take us lights, electricity. You know, people lived for centuries without the imagination of, of electricity, of, of this kind of power, but we flip a switch on, flip the switch off, we, do, we just take it for granted. You know, so many things in our life that has become common to us, you know, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, years ago, right, it was impossible to think that, that you could personally have a computer. You know, years ago, computers were like the size of small houses, right? And you could run, you know, just about a telephone on a computer. But today, man, you have a, a, tele, you have a, a telephone the, the size of a computer and you can run, you know, the world with it. Uh, my kids, my grandkids, this is my grandkids, my grandkids have become proficient at using a personal computer. So what was, what was once impossible has become possible. And if that's true in the natural realm for mere men, how much more so should that be true of us who are the children of the creator of the universe? I want to share a statement with you. Okay, you can follow up on the screen. As followers of Christ, we are called to do the impossible, to live supernatural lives. In order to live supernatural lifestyles, we must begin to think supernatural thoughts. God's words are supernatural thoughts. We must begin to think the thoughts of God, right? We must think supernatural thoughts, make supernatural plans. God's will has supernatural plans for us. Pray for supernatural results and expect God, expect God to work supernaturally in our lives. That word expect, that's hope. 
That is the hope that God has shut up in our DNA. You know, uh, the new birth is not something that is natural. It is spiritual. It is supernatural. And as a result of that, God has implanted his very own DNA. God is called the God of all hope. And this supernatural hope is supposed to be resident in us and existing. Some of you may know the name Leonard Ravenhill. Uh, some of you may not. He, he was an old uh, English uh, esteemed uh, preacher. You know, back in the day, I heard him. I heard him preach. You know, over forty years ago, and I heard him tell this story of, of something, an event that happened probably more than sixty years before that time. So it's a long time ago. But 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 he was he was telling a story about the unveil of this. This, uh, this amazing new invention called the, the locomotive, right? And it was steam-powered, right? And it was uh, to be displayed in a city uh, in, uh, in England, and it was, I think it was the city was Edinburgh. Now, I don't really think it was Edinburgh, but I, I just like to roll my R's, <laughs> you know? Uh, my wife can't roll her R's, so I just lo- love to kind of show off, right? Uh, no, it, it was a city, it was one of the cities in, in England, and, and the, the skeptic, you know, public gathered together to see the unveiling and the reveal of this amazing new invention, right? And when the crew had a hard time getting the fire hot enough in this, in this engine to, to create steam because the fuel was damp, the people spontaneously began to chant, and they, they repeated it over and over and over again. And their chant was this, it'll never start, it'll never start, it'll never start. I mean, just continually. But when the crew finally got it going, right, and it began to chug down the track, and it began to go faster and build up speed, spontaneously the crowd began to say, it'll never stop, it'll never stop, it'll never stop. There's something about some people that, I mean, they're just so negative that, that the word never is always on their lips. The word impossible is, is always their frame of mind. They can't think outside the box. But listen, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, nothing shall be impossible. In fact, I think somebody said, with men it is impossible but with God, all things are possible. Oh, yeah, that was Jesus who said that. So if Jesus said that and believed that, then it has to be true that with God, all things are possible. There are two components to this supernatural kind of lifestyle that I'm talking about this morning. They are confidence and trust. The ability to trust God because we know that he is faithful and the ability to to have confidence in God because God can do anything. There's nothing too hard for God. Those two components are absolutely essential. Let me kind of illustrate that this comes out of a relationship with God. Let me give you three scenarios, okay? First scenario, you're coming out of a supermarket and this shady kind of stranger comes up to you and say, hey, dude, he says, he says, my car ran out of gas, and I'm on my way to work, and, 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 and it would be great if you can give me some money so I can get to, to work, right? So here, here's the question. You may give him the money or you may not give him the money, but here, here, here's the question. How confident are you that he's going to use that money for gas in his car? Probably, if you're anything like my experience, not so confident, not so sure, 
right? Second scenario, you're either at work or you're at school and there's a cafeteria in your building and you're on your way into the cafeteria for lunch and someone comes up to you that you've seen in the building before. You've never spoken to them, but you're familiar with their person, right? You've seen them before. And they say to you, hey, I left my wallet home. And I'm really hungry. Is, it, is there any way that you can lend me some money? I will pay you back tomorrow. Now, you may give them the money or not. It's up to you. But how, how confident are you that they will pay you back? Fairly confident. No, the first person, you didn't know from anybody. Second person, you have a slight understanding of who they are. You've seen them before. Now, here's the third scenario. Your friend who you speak to all the time, who, who you can finish his conversation and he can finish your conversation. He has helped you in times past. Your friend says to you, I need $100. I'm a little short this week, but I've got to pay this bill. This, this bill has got to be paid this week. I promise I'll pay you back. Now, here's the question. How confident are you that that friend of yours is going to use that money for the purpose that he said and that he's promised to pay you back? I would say very confident. And the reason being because you have a relationship with that person. Because that person has showed you his loyalty over time and you can trust that person because of a relationship. Now conversely, where there is no relationship, there is no trust. When we cultivate and develop a relationship with God, the more that we understand and the more that we know him and the more that we're able to have confidence in him and to put our trust in him. And so in the same way, we can trust in in the one that we know is faithful, in the one that we know that there is nothing too hard for him. This is what builds up trust and builds up confidence, this relationship with God. I tell you what, over the last 35 plus years that I've been in ministry, I've, I've seen how God has been faithful to folks who love him and who serve him. And I, I've seen the history of God's intervention in people's lives. And it's not always yes. Sometimes it's wait. And even sometimes it's no. But even sometimes when God says no, his no's are better than anything that we could imagine of our yeses because God is so good and wise. Now, last week, Last week I said to you about Abraham, and I've just briefly mentioned Abraham. I said Abraham is an example here, and I, and I mentioned this, that, that Abraham is an example of what not to do in a crisis. Because what happened with Abraham is that Abraham finally arrives. He's 75 years of age, by the way. Sarah's 65. They, they finally reached the promised land, right? The, the land that eventually has become Israel, the, the land of, of, uh, of promise, Land flowing with milk and honey. But when they get there, there's a famine in the land. That, those ominous words, there's a famine. In the, and, and, and rather than consult with God or rather than seek God as to what to do, you know, Abraham says, I'm out of here. And, and he flees down to Egypt without consulting with God, having been led to the promised land. Now he leaves, not being led, but just going in his own understanding, right? And, and, and he makes this statement. It's in uh, Genesis uh, 12, 11. He says, he says to his wife, 65-year-old Sarah, now she must have been a babe and a half. L- listen to me. She must have been a real babe because he says to her, he says, because you're so beautiful, men will see 
that you're my wife, they'll kill me and take you as their wife. So, so please, do, do me a favor, Sarah. Tell everybody, when, in case they ask, that you're my sister. Okay? Not very uh, noble or courageous on the part of Abraham. Right? Uh, but like all of us, when we begin this journey of faith, there's a lot of room for us to grow. Listen, nobody starts off strong. If you, if you think you start off strong in this relationship of faith and walk with God, you know, you, you're in for a rude awakening. You know, uh, you, you're in for a fall. You will be humbled. Uh, but there is the process of growth. And God is, God, listen, just like any parent is concerned about the well-being of their child and their growth and development. So God, our Heavenly Father, is interested in our growth and development, not only that we would grow in the knowledge of God, but that we would grow in character. And one of the things that God is very committed to is conforming us to the image of his son. And over the next 25 years, right, Abraham grows. He, uh, he has some victories in those 25 years, but he also has some failures. He, he has some home runs, but he also has some strikeouts. You know, the interesting thing about God is that we can learn and grow as much in our failures as we can in our victories. Because with God, nothing is wasted. Because with God, who is working all things for our good and for his glory, even the times that we stumble and fall and fail miserably, God is able to use that to shape and to reshape our character. Now, I want to share this statement with you. It's up on the screen. Take a look at it. And it has to do with Abraham. And it says this, it was God's purpose that Abraham should be an example of the power of hope and faith. In other words, what I'm saying is this, is that Abraham was supposed to be and is supposed to be, he's called the father of us all, he is to be, Abraham is to be a pattern and a prototype of those that would follow hard after God. And as an example, Abraham, his experiences, and listen, the way in which he got to that place where his character was developed was through trial and through crisis, and through difficulty, and through challenges. And, 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 and that means that you and I, beloved, if we're going to grow in character, if we're going to grow in the knowledge of God, then it's going to be from crisis to crisis, and from, from, from circumstance to circumstance, where we can follow Abraham's pattern. As we read through the scriptures, we see that Abraham was growing in strength and Abraham was, was going from faith to faith and from strength to strength. And that's the process that God is committed to doing in each of our lives. Now, God gave Abraham a promise and that promise was staggering. In fact, in fact when God gave Abraham the promise, he fell over and he began to laugh. And he laughed so hard. And it wasn't a laugh of credulity or it wasn't a laugh of, of unbelief. It was a laugh. It was a laugh of delight that Sarah and Abraham would have a son. And God gave him that promise that he would become the heir of many nations, that through his seed or his offspring, all the families or all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And we know that that ultimately was fulfilled in Jesus, who is called the seed of Abraham, seed of David, the offspring of Abraham. Ultimately, that was talking about one person, but 
But, but that would also be in type immediately fulfilled in this person called Isaac who would be born ultimately of Sarah and Abraham. Now, here, here, here's the amazing thing, that God waits before he fulfills his promise. He waits until there's no humanly way possible that this could be accomplished. In fact, he waits till Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90 years old. Guys, look, I, I don't care how much of a babe she was at 65 or how great a shape she was. 25 years later at 90 years of age, come on, 90-year-old women don't have babies. And that's exactly the reason why God had a divine delay. It was to show the exceeding greatness of God's promise and his ability to do the impossible. I want you to think about this. Remember what I said a little while ago, that we're called to do the impossible, to live supernatural lives, to think supernatural thoughts, to pray supernatural prayers so that God would work in our lives in a supernatural way. So we want to look this morning at our scripture, and our scripture is going to be found in Romans chapter 4. Rather than look in Genesis where the story took place, I want to look at a synopsis of what Paul, Paul is using this as in, in Romans chapter 4 as an example of why the just shall live by faith, why we are justified, that is just as if we had never sinned legally before God through faith, not, not through works, but, but through believing God. Because Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for, for righteousness' sake, right? So, so Abraham is, is the example here. But Paul gives us the synopsis of his life, which fits into our message this morning. So follow along with me. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, means, Paul is quoting now from the Old Testament. He's quoting from the book of Genesis. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him that is in the presence of God, whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist, though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. Now, let's zero in on this section right now. So shall your descendants be. Right? This came to pass. And not being weak in faith, he was weak in body at 100 years of age. He was, he was physically, right? His wife Sarah, 90 years old, weakness, the weakness of the human body being unable to conceive and bring a child into existence at the age of 90, right? So it says this, that he, that, that he was not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body metaphorically already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, again, metaphorically. And he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced what, that what, what he had promised, he was able to also to perform. What a, what a powerful, powerful synopsis of this man's life of, of having gone from the guy who was afraid that he might be killed, so tell everybody you're my sister, to, to, to the place where now he, he does not stagger at the promises of God. 
but is strong in faith, giving glory to God. What does that mean, giving glory to God? In these verses, in the last few verses, especially that we've read, we have the components of confidence and trust. He was unshaken in his confidence. He trusted God because of 25 years of having proved the faithfulness of God. And because of that, he was able, he was able to hope in spite of it being a hopeless situation. One translation says, With ev- when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Another translation says, when there was nothing left to hope for, Abraham still hoped. He didn't listen to the voice inside his head. He didn't listen to the reason and the logic that said, it's impossible for you at 100 and hard at 90 to have a baby. No, he left the matter in God's hands and he believed God and the timing of it, and that's where a lot of us stumble, it's in the timing of it, but he believed God and was unshakable in his confidence in God. Now, I say this, that if Abraham was not so well advanced and Sarah was not so well advanced in age, then it wouldn't have been a big deal because couples have babies all the time. But it was because it was naturally impossible for a a 90-year-old woman to give birth that this became such a great means of bringing honor and glory to God because he kept on hoping. He did not stagger at the promises of God, but was strong in faith, giving God glory. What does that mean, giving? I, listen, I, I've seen this. I've seen this with my own kids. I've seen this with my grandkids. You know, just, just imagine now, right? D- Daddy's in the pool, right? And, and, and the three-year-old is on, on the edge of the pool. He wants to go in the water, he, he, he want, but he's afraid. And Daddy's there, and, he's, and he says, come on, puts his arms out and says, come on, jump. He's about maybe three feet away from the edge. And he says, come on, jump. I'll, I'll catch you. I won't let you, I, I promise I'll catch you. I won't let you fall. And he's there, he's standing on the, and he's, he's wondering, you know, how does, how, do, how does that three-year-old make daddy look good? Simple. He jumps. He has confidence in his father's arms and he trusts that his father is going to keep his promise and his father is going to snatch him up in his arms before he hits the water. Now, what happens if you're a three-year-old and you're standing at the edge of the pool and your daddy says, come on, jump, and you shake your head, no. Ain't going to happen. And you run away. You make your daddy look bad. But when you jump into his arms, you make your daddy look wise and look strong and, 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 look, and, and, and look good because you put your trust in him. That's the way Abraham is glorifying God by making God look as good and wise and as gracious and as loving as he really is. See, that's the way he is, but, but he's looking for people. He's looking for you and me in our lives, to trust him, to jump into his arms in those impossible situations so that our God looks good to the world. Our God looks good in our job. Our God looks good in our neighborhood. Our God looks good in our family because our God really is good and he can be trusted. This is what Paul has in mind by even using 
Abraham as an, as an allegory here, as, a, as an illustration of great faith. And Isaac that is born, you know, by the way, did you know that his name means laughter? Isaac's name means laughter. That to commemorate that joy that Abraham had when God gave him the promise and he believed the promise and though it took years later, Abraham was commemorating that joyful laughter by calling his son laughter. And every time he called Isaac, it was a reminder of the joy he had in receiving the promise of God. Now, what I want you to know is this, that at 100 years old and 90 years old, and that son that was born, it was supernatural. But Isaac is also a picture of us. See, when we're born into the kingdom of God, we don't come there naturally. We, we come there supernaturally. We who were once, Paul says, dead in trespasses and in sins, but God has quickened us and made us alive. We were once walking according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, but God who was rich in love and mercy wherewith he loved us, he made us alive. For by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. This is, listen, it's supernatural. We've been brought into the kingdom of God in a supernatural way, and so our lives are to be a pattern of that which is supernatural. August 27, coming up real soon, another kind of anniversary. Maybe this lady you've never heard of before. Her name is Lilius Trotter. In 1928, I think that was the year my parents got married. I'm not sure, but, but in 1928, she died on August 27th. After 40 years, 40 years and five months of having answered the call of God to serve as a missionary way back, way back then. Listen, she, she did that which was impossible to do at that time. First of all, she was thought to be too old. She was 34 years old at the time. She had a heart condition. She was single. She didn't know Arabic or uh, Arabic. Uh, she was called by God to go to, of all places, uh, Liberia. And, uh, and, and, and in that process, listen, she had to trust God. She had to rely upon God. She, was, she had to be like that little three-year-old at the side of the pool, willing to jump into the arms of God because of the danger that was there. A woman being single, being all alone, not knowing any contacts in Northern Africa, and yet she followed and she went in obedience. Listen, she would have never gotten any support from any kind of missions board because she couldn't pass the physical, but she went anyway. And she believed, listen, she believed that the, that the power of God is best displayed in human weakness. And that's exactly what she was. And she went into a land. Listen, it was dangerous. She wasn't just satisfied to stay in the city. She had to go out and search for the, the nomads out in the tribes and to bring the gospel to them that they've never heard before. And listen, in, in sandstorms out in the, the desert, you know, uh, they could rise as high as 400 feet, these, these sandstorms. Uh, the, the markings for roads, there are none. I mean, if you were off even in the slightest calculation, you can miss your destination by miles. You were subject to the, to the, to the ba- Europeans were subject to bandits out back in the desert. And, and nevertheless, this is the place that God called her to. 
And in obedience, she succeeded where others failed because she believed in the God of the impossible. Even when she was, she was at, at her last days, right? And she was bedridden. She had a map over her bed of that particular country. And she had this statement from Colossians 4.17 that said, take heed to the ministry that God has called you, that you fulfill it. When she was sleepless, she would pray for that country and intercede for that country. What a great influence she had and inspired many others to go and to be missionaries to that particular land. Like Abraham, she modeled a belief that God is the God of the impossible, that there is nothing too hard for God. You know, the very gospel itself is a paradox. Uh, the, the, The gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus was crucified in weakness, but he was raised in the power of God and he reigns by the power of God. Everything about the the gospel and the kingdom of God is, is so diametrically opposed to this world. The way up is down. The way through life is through death. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. And God takes weakness and out of weakness are made strong. The amazing thing is that the natural man doesn't like to admit that there's a weakness there. But when we embrace our weaknesses and when we glory even in those weaknesses, the Bible teaches us that the power of Christ rests upon us, that the energy of God and the strength of God can be released in us through this thing called faith and hope. I want you to listen to this, that weakness then becomes a gift when we completely rely upon God and we thrust ourselves upon God completely. Here's a thought from John Piper, and uh, we're almost done this morning. John Piper wrote this. He said, one of the great enemies of hope is forgetting God's promises. One of the great enemies of hope, one of the hindrances of hope is to simply forget the promises of God. Now, by the way, uh, we've filled the shelves out in the lobby with new uh, promise books. And uh, these are all promises that are just uh, sectioned off for us on various subjects. Please uh, take one uh, at the end of the service. They're out in the lobby as a gift to you. But what I want you to know about the promises of God and about the word of God, that it is life to those that find it and it's health unto all of our being. But, but, but listen to this. The mind has this incredible ability. We can speak to ourselves. In fact, we do that all the times, right? Even right now, while I'm speaking to you, your mind is speaking to yourself. Isn't that amazing? I mean, my mind is thinking about something else while I'm talking to you right now. Isn't that cool? Right? Now, listen to me. We have the ability to speak to ourselves. And and this is why hope is so important. Listen to what Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, 21. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This I call to mind. The ministry of remembering, of reminding, of, of rehearsing, of meditating. He says this, but this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Jeremiah, if you know the story of Jeremiah, he's called the weeping prophet. He was in a mess. They put him in a prison cell with mud up to his waist, right? But Jeremiah did not lose hope because he says, this I call to mind. 
The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. When I remember that he has loved me with an everlasting love, that he sent his son into the world to rescue me eternally, that I can have confidence and I can trust in this God who is faithful in whom all things are possible. If we don't call to mind, if we rehearse in our mind, I can't, or it's impossible, or she'll never, or he'll never, or it'll never, my life will never change. If we rehearse those things in our mind, we fill our thoughts with the impossible rather than filling our thoughts with the God in whom nothing shall be impossible. I want to encourage you this morning. You can have supernatural thoughts. These are supernatural thoughts. God's promises, God's covenant, God's God's words. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Just one more scripture, one more promise. And I love this from David. David who found himself in in hot water so many times. He came up with this statement and, and we know David spoke to himself all the time, you know. They may think you're a crazy person, but let me tell you something. To speak to your own soul is, is so enriching when you speak the right words. And this is what David said in Psalm 42. Why are you so downcast or discouraged, oh my soul? Oh my soul is, he's talking to himself. He says, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Put your hope in God. Let me, let me just say this, that the best sermon you will ever hear won't, won't be from me. The best sermon you will ever hear is the sermon you preach to yourself. And it may only be five words. Put your hope in God. If you can say that to yourself, if you can preach that to yourself and encourage yourself when you feel discouraged or when you feel down or you feel that life is just crushing you and you say to your soul, put your hope in God. That's the best message you'll ever hear anyone preach to you. And you can do that. Listen, you, you can do that this morning and you can trust in the God who cannot fail, who cannot lie, who cannot break a promise. And in here, I tell you what, it says under the title this, it says God's promises for your every need. And really, that is true. You know, there, there, there are 365 verses in the scripture about fear not, don't be afraid, be not dismayed. One of one for every single day of the, of, the, of, the, of the year that God has given to us a promise. And there are promises that cover all of our needs in this life. God wants you to be encouraged. He wants you to be infused with hope this morning. See, our simple takeaway this morning is this. The reason why we can always have hope, the reason why you and I can be abounding in hope is because with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. And when you believe that, like Jesus said it, when you believe that, you can begin to walk and live in a supernatural life. Chains can begin to fall off of you. Discouragement will begin to flee from you. As I tweeted this last night. My tweet was this. this, I hear the sound of hope rising and darkness trembling. I believe that. I hear the sound of hope rising in God's people. And when hope rises in God's people, 
darkness trembles. There is nothing that the enemy of your soul, my soul, hates more than when God's people are infused and filled with hope and faith. It causes them to tremble. And so arise, church, this morning. Let hope fill your heart. Speak to your soul. Say, say, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my God and my Savior. This morning, you may not have a relationship with God. I said earlier today that, that it's because we have a relationship, that third scenario, that we know he's going to keep his promise. We know the loyalty of God, the faithfulness of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God. Can I invite you to, to do that? Can I invite you to take, an, take a step off of the edge of the pool and into the arms of the everlasting God who will not fail you, who loves you with an everlasting love, if you will just put your trust in him, you take a step toward him, and the Bible says that he will draw near to you. When you draw near to him, you take a step toward him, he'll take, he'll take two steps toward you. And develop a relationship, cultivate a relationship with God. How do you do that? Begin reading some of his word. Begin reading some of his promises. Put your hope in him. Put your trust in him. That what he said is true. That whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That to anyone who will come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. That, that this is the way of entering into the kingdom of God, not by the works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy. That this God whom we serve is a gracious and merciful God who sent his son into the world that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. <laughs> That's how we begin this supernatural relationship. And then we build on that, just as you build on any kind of relationship, by spending time with that person, by getting to know that person. That's what God wants for you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the series on hope, and we pray, Lord God, indeed, that this house today might be a house of hope, that we might be, Lord God, those that have received from you freely. We have received, so therefore, it's our intention to freely give, to, to, to glorify you, to make you look good, though you're always good, to, to model to the world, our world, to our family, to our, our workplace, our neighborhood, our school, that our God is loving and good and wise and that he can be trusted, that he is, he is the God of the impossible, that nothing is too hard for him. That's our desire this morning, to see that released in every single person here this morning. And I just pray now for anyone that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, that you would make that transaction right now by simply receiving Christ in your heart. You could say something like this, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Begin a relationship with me today. And through faith, through faith right now, a transaction is taking place. Tell somebody about that. Come up for prayer at the end of the service if you'd like to, but... But right now, what we're going to do is we're going to just 
We're going to worship God one more time. We're going to give him glory in another way, and and that is to, to just love on him and to tell him how much he means to us.